We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty thankless job, so I just wanted to thank you, and he was like... It is, actually. You are the first person to ever thank me. And you would think that that would make me feel like I should get involved. And it was actually just the opposite. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, good luck with that. I'll see you later. This is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast, brought to you by rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For news, rankings, projections, DFS lineup optimizers, and more, head over to rotowire.com slash soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Gottlieb and Andrew Laird. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Soccer Fantasy Premier League Podcast. I am your host, Mike Gottlieb, and with me, as always, is Andrew Laird. And once again, we are sponsored by our good friends at Mac Weldon. Yeah, we're very, uh, very excited to be partnering with them. And uh, anybody who is looking to order some clothes from Mac Weldon can uh, get twenty percent off with it, thanks to. Our sponsorship here. Um, use the promo code Roto Soccer. 
uh, 20% off your order, and you can do it all right from their website. Uh, my order was shipped uh, literally the same day, so that was nice, and I got it in two days. So their uh, their ability to get their stuff out is is excellent. So go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, last week when we first started talking about it, uh, I was not nearly as awkward because I was actually wearing my Mack Weldon product, <laughs> and now I'm just not feeling as comfortable. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, but we are a fantasy soccer podcast. Let's get with it here. Uh, so we're going to actually change it up a little bit here. Normally, I kind of drive the show. But today, Andrew has brought some stats uh, to the show that he is uh, that he wants to kind of either focus on or even get uh, your your response and see if these stats matter to you. Uh, he's going to ask me first. I do not know what these stats are beforehand. So, uh, Andrew, take it away. Don't let me steal your thunder. <laughs> yeah, I've always been kind of a I don't want to call myself a stat nerd because that kind of puts me in a class of loving like advanced stats and I've actually always been I don't want to say like I'm anti-advanced stat but I feel like um you know a new one comes out and everyone's like oh that's that's the one that's what we should use for everything and um all of these stats just don't include so much context that I think is important like you know we talk about you know you know whether a team has given up like a ton of shots recently and it's uh, it doesn't necessarily show that they've played the top five teams in the league thinking of like Hull City, who right now lead the league in shots allowed. But uh, we've spoken numerous times on this podcast how awful their opening schedule is. So, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, Hull always gives up a lot of shots. Maybe they are just playing teams that take a lot of shots. Uh, I've had this conversation with crosses because, um, you know, with the way the DraftKings scoring is, crosses are so important. And whether... Uh, game by game cross numbers are more dependent on the team that is sending the crosses in or the team that is theoretically allowing them. Meaning are there certain teams that allow more crosses than others or do they just have those teams just happen to play teams that, that send in a lot. So I'm still trying to dive in on, on how I want to feel about that, but at least we, we do have those stats. Um, we meaning Rotowire's partnered with Opta um, and we're going to have just a ton of stats that are coming to the site very soon. Um, we're, we can use them for our projections already, and we're hopefully going to get some more extended game logs in. Um, we have some ideas for box scores and, and stat pages. But um, right now I've been looking at different stats, and I wanted to ask you the question, would you theoretically um, look at a, a goalkeeper's value based on the number of shots on target that actually go in? Like would a would a keeper who lets in a lot of shots on target be considered a poor goalkeeper, or do you think that doesn't actually? Um... Well, it's hard to, to. My first response is it's very difficult to let in a shot that's off target. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So I don't understand what the what this stat is actually trying to say. Like the relationship between goals allowed to shots on target. Right, which is theoretically shots so on safe. target is theoretically goals versus saves. So, so, save percentage. so you're talking about a save percentage. Um, yes, I guess I am. So like in hockey, so in hockey, you have like your, your save percentage and you also have your goals against average per yes. period. Yes. So is that really what you're kind of going for there? I, I'm, I'm asking you if you know who, which team has allowed the most goals yeah, who has the worst save percentage? Who has the worst save percentage? My guess is going to be Chelsea. You're right. Yeah. 47% of the shots on target that Chelsea have allowed have gone in the net, which yeah. seems like an absurd number to me. Um, 
Well, it's because it's because typically it's a good. It's I think this is a good stat to open the door to the actual analysis. Yes. Hey, why is this happening? Yes. You, you say why is this happening, and then it's, and then I can answer that one because I know this team pretty well. Um, when the defense breaks down, and it tends to do so at least once or twice a game, it is in such a way where I don't care who the goalkeeper is, that shot's going in. Mm-hmm. Now there's the there's the occasional Jordan Henderson wonder shot, but um, that that's not that's not the goal they're letting up typically. But the goal they're letting up typically is the one where Gary Cahill uh, <laughs> runs to the wrong side of a corner kick or to a free kick and leaves four people open at the back post. Yes. So I don't know how you quantify that. I mean, I, I'm sure there's defensive errors that directly lead to goals, but I'm not sure if what Gary Cahill did qualifies. Right, right, right. Uh, the, the difficulty that I have with it is <clears throat> kind of just what you said. Not every team has a Gary Cahill blunder every week. And so even shots on target are not uh, all that descriptive other than where the ball ends up. And obviously, you know, where the, whether the shot was in the six yard box or whether it's out of the box or, you know, we don't have, I mean, we have that data, um, but just kind of this generic shots on target to goal. Do you think it's, it's worth looking at goalkeepers based off of save percentage, or do you look more on how many shots they're actually facing? I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't look at goalkeepers for that. I would look at the defenses for that mm-hmm. um, because the goalkeeper in my mind is large. Their value is largely overstated where they where they make. I think the majority of their money is actually on set pieces and corners when they you know line people up and then take charge if the ball is able to be caught or parried away. Yep. That's where the goalkeeper value is. And that's something I do like about EFSA is that they have like the successful – uh, I forgot what they call it, like successful take or mm-hmm. something like that. Something like uh, that, yeah. But uh, those those are more the stats that I think are indicative of a goalkeeper's value to keeping goals down. Mm-hmm. The rest is actually about you know defenses, like team defenses. Right, right, right. Um, there are only two teams that have allowed fewer shots on target than Chelsea, though. Uh, I'm assuming one is Tottenham. Uh, it is not. Tottenham does have the Hugo Lloris and I guess Michelle Vorm have the lowest. Uh, I'm sorry, the the best save percentage. In then the maybe then then maybe Everton. Everton uh, is and, has allowed a league low 14 shots on target. And City. Uh, City is not there. Okay, it's Southampton. That's also that's very interesting. That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, well, that's interesting because Fraser Forrester's value has been awful this year. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I I dropped him for Tom Heaton in Taga. Yes. Uh, Forster is in like the bottom five in save percentage this year. And uh, I I didn't really want the stats to lay this out. But after the Tottenham keepers, Tom Heaton has the best save percentage after that. Yeah, that's right. And they let up a decent uh, – used to. not Actually, not recently, but before the last couple of games, they let up a decent amount of shots too. Yes, yes. So, again, th- th- I, that's why I kept saying on the podcast, they let up shots that are easy to save. Now – a lot. Sorry, they let up a lot of shots that are easy to save. They also let up a lot of opportunities that are impossible to save, which is why he's not the number one. He's my number one ranked goalkeeper because of saves, not because of clean sheets or wins. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to have like a Herelio Gomez type of year from last year. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, the or, other or or a sneaky good candidate there is Archer Boric. Yep. Well, it's funny you should bring Boric up because 
the other, or really shots is the, the stat that I have been focusing on the most on. Um, and specifically for this upcoming weekend, we have Burnmouth against Hull. And Burnmouth and Hull are two of the lowest shooting teams in the league. Yeah. That, I was going to say, when we get to our previews later on this week, I was going to say this sounds like 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> well, the the weird thing is that they both allow a ton of shots. It's not so much even that they don't take a lot, and it's not like their game— Well, so their games are, for themselves, low shooting. But that doesn't mean the games are low shooting. They're not like these back and forth, but not a lot of shots are taken. They actually give up a lot of shots, too. So when you have a, a, a situation like this, which side do you go for? Do you go? Do you think okay, these teams don't shoot that much, or is it actually they let up a lot of shots, so there should be shots here? Like which which side determines what will happen? That, that that's ultimately the, the where all of my stat questions go uh, because I, I am always very interested in what teams do and how teams do against them and. I don't think they're equal, but I'm still not sure which side should be preferred. I'm of when it when it's so what I look for when I look at daily and I've been terrible so far at daily. So <laughs> take this with a grain of salt. Um, I look at the midfields in that respect. It, you know, when it's two, when it's two kind of equal teams in terms of defenses and like shots you know goals allowed shots allowed goals scored i look at the midfields because that's where the game's going to be won who's going to have the ball more mm-hmm. um because if you have the ball more then you're going to get the you're going to take advantage of the fact the other team lets up a lot of shots more mm-hmm. and this is a game where jack wilshire would man we're getting into thursday's show or friday's show well, we don't, too i mean this is the only but, one but but the, the, I mean that that's what I'm gonna look for. I me, mean, I'll tell you right now. I have my eyes very firmly set on Jack Wilshire this week. Wow. Okay. Because this this is the kind of game where he can show his wear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So I also uh, looked at so Hull City have allowed the most shots this season. Mm-hmm. They allow 23 a game, uh, and the next highest is 18 and a half. So five more shot, four and a half more shots per game than uh, every other team. The problem is, is that they've, like we've said, they've played this like murderer's row of matches to start the season. Leicester, Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea are in this, in their matches so far. So I looked, I basically took their average and um, subtracted how those teams did against Hull and looked at how they do against everyone else. I'm not sure I'm really explaining this correctly, but or effectively. But basically, I wanted to see if Hull allowed more shots or allowed more shots to their opponents than their opponents were taking against everyone else. Because that would at least theoretically tell me, yes, Hull give up more shots than, than teams average, or they just happen to be facing high shooting teams, and that was the norm. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense, but it, it makes sense, but I'm not sure it applies to the whole Burnmouth game. No, no, not, I, I don't even mean just for the whole Burnmouth game. Okay. It, although, theoretically, I feel like I should be able to use that stat for Hull versus any opponent. That if I look at... so You know what? I, you know, I'm, as someone who's trailing you really, really badly in DraftKings, <laughs> I, ho- I hope you do it. <laughs> 
this is this is what I meant. So Hull City played um, Arsenal in when was it? Week five, and Arsenal took twenty four shots in that game. But Arsenal only averages fifteen per game um, over the course of the season. Um, so my the idea was: do they did Arsenal take more shots against? Or sorry, did Hull City allow more shots to Arsenal because they're Hull City? And does that apply across the board? Like, does Hull City just allow more shots to Swansea when they play as Swansea as opposed to Swansea against anybody else? And basically what I came up with was that Hull allow almost eight and a half more shots per game um, than their opponents against everybody else. So, like, the idea is that, yes, Hull City have given up a lot of shots, but they've actually given up more shots than their opponents have taken against other other teams. But is that enough to think that Burnmouth can crush on this week? No. <laughs> no. No. Just that's just no. That that that's no. And is that because because you know that Burnmouth doesn't take a lot of shots, or is it because you think the stats missing something? It misses game flow. You know, especially because if Hall are behind, they're gonna they're gonna be given more of the ball. I'm wondering. Let's say, you know what? If that if that stat was more broken down to, let's say, uh, like how many shots when the game is tied or within one goal, mm-hmm. that would be a better stat. I, because it, it, and I'll tell you why. Because even the Arsenal's of the world will take their foot off the pedal when they're up two or three, especially late into games, and then you'll. You know, you'll see more shots coming from Hull, and that'll just—it's not—they all count. I know they all count as shots and the potential for goals, but um, so so that was my thought also. That like when a team falls behind, they go all out to to get back. No, 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 no. I'm not even saying that because I'm because there are times where if a team is down, you know, three nothing, they will do. They will pull their striker out and put in six defenders. Which team? Uh, the, uh, the, the one that's winning. The one that's losing will sometimes oh. do it just for, just to prevent the goal differential, because the uh, basically they're saying okay we can be conceded on today just pass the ball around we'll just finish this three nothing mm-hmm. you'll go home happy we'll go home with not a terrible goal differ not as bad of a goal differential as if we tried to actually attack you. Okay, that. <clears throat> so I wasn't sure which which way to go because. Um, Hesh Hambazaza wrote an article for us last year, basically like how teams cross after they fall behind. It was mostly a Leicester article because they fell behind so much last year and then they just started crossing the hell out of the ball and they'd come back and win. So um, we have, we've kind of casually spoken like teams that have a lot of possession probably cross a lot more because they have the, they just have the ball more. You can't cross the ball if you don't have the ball. The same thing. You can't shoot unless you have the ball. So my thought was if you if you fall behind i'm not saying you fall behind 5 nothing but if you fall behind 1 nothing or 2 nothing do you end up attacking more uh which theoretically should mean more shots and it's just not happening with with uh with hull like they took so they in that they got blasted in a liverpool game and maybe this fits in just to what you were saying just now but they allowed 32 shots to Liverpool in that game. What was that, 5-1, 4-1? And was, the, the one was a penalty, I think, by Snodgrass at the end. So Liverpool took 32 shots against Hull, and Hull took two the entire game. And, 
And so is that because they were totally outmatched? Yes. Was it because so, but so it was not only were they like totally outmatched though, but they were outmatched so much that even when they fell behind, they couldn't move up. Well, wasn't it shots. was what was that the game where El Mohammedi got the red card? Uh, might have been because if they're already down a man too, that's going to make it even harder. Yep, yep. So, you know, it, it's there's other factors, that, and that's kind of. That's that's a reason why a lot of people like soccer in general is because it's not like baseball in that you know everything can boil down to a number or to numbers and matchups. Yeah. Um, there might be a little bit of that, but mostly and there's mostly it's about the flow and the creativity of the day between the players that are on the pitch. There's not a lot of set plays. You know there are there are set plays, but when it's in the open play, there's not really there's not really. Yep. too much going on in the way of this is where I need to stand at all times. It's yes. really more of where's the ball and where's my defender? Where can I go? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's more free flowing and trying to boil, trying to boil game flow down to numbers is difficult. Yes. Um, so that's, that's the beauty of it. And for this particular stat, especially focusing on shots, shots are dependent to me more on game flow and how, the game is actually going not actually not 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 on an individual matchup like oh um you know jake livermore is gonna have a tough time with jack wilshire yeah that's a that's i mean that's a sentence that that was said (laughs) yes uh, um it uh, yeah and i mean i do think it's more about the midfield though and which midfield will you know boss the game and there's the potential that neither of them do and that's why I think it'll be closer to zero zero than it would be any other score. So if neither side can really control the midfield, that that leads you to think there won't be that many shots as opposed to there there should be more. What was stunning about so let, let, let's let, let, let's stop talking about two terrible teams and, and talk about two teams that people care about when in this in the city Tottenham game, for example. Yep. Uh, what was fascinating is. You know, it's not like Tottenham dominated the midfield. They did. They, it, it was when they attacked, it was really good. Uh-huh. Uh, and City were missing Kevin De Bruyne. Don't get me wrong; uh, they were missing his ability to affect the game by himself. But they have plenty of other players that can do that too. Yes. Um, I, I was just, I was really taken back by the efficiency of the Spurs execution going forward mm-hmm. it, and in that game could have finished more than just two nothing yeah and, and Pochettino's style here's another thing that we haven't talked about either we have coaches styles to put to bring into play here as well mm-hmm. so you know when you talk about Pochettino you talk about high energy high press and Man City had trouble with Celtic with Brendan Rodgers in the high press <laughs> I'm not joking. Like they had, no, they had problems. the blueprint might be out, and that's something that you have to look at. And I think City have to make their adjustments now, and Guardiola has to make his adjustments to the fact that teams may now press him very high up the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, Claudio Bravo does not look very comfortable. Uh, I agree with that point um, that he doesn't look particularly comfortable. Um, I'll add that. Um, Man City goalkeepers have the second best save percentage in the league. Yes. Sorry, third, third. Yeah, yeah, Forgot yes, my, I, your boy Tom Heaton there. 
It's, you, it's, you can't forget Tom Heaton. <laughs> he's, like, he's on every team but my EFs team. Hmm. But that's because I have Stecklenburg. Right. But it's so tough. It, it, it's... It, it, there's too many factors to say that this this one stat it, it can lead to something. It, like like, totally like I said before, like I said before, it is a gateway into further analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, like if there's a really good, like if you think a team is really good, let's just take Chelsea for this instance. You know, Chelsea is supposed to be good, yet they are one of the lowest save uh, the, the lowest or the one of the lowest uh, save percentage. Yes, lowest. They are the so. The uh, the lowest save percentage, but they're supposed to be good. What's going on? Mm-hmm. That's the and, and that's and, and you know what? And that's why you start hearing the rumors like the one that's circulating today that the that the only way that Chelsea get Leonardo Benu, or, uh, Leonardo Bonucci in January is if they offer Hazard in return <laughs> and cash. Mm-hmm. He's, so, ve- he's very good. He's not what, that. Good. Um, no, probably not that good. Do you put any? value into percentage of shots that are on target no because even the slow dribblers go on target you okay. know what i mean like they, there's like there's like the the slow kind of mishits that roll towards the goalkeeper because and that counts as a shot on target what's more important to me it really for goal if you're talking about goalkeepers is that you know how successful are they during set pieces, you know, taking crosses, successful parry, successful clearances. Uh, that's where, the, you know, that's where a goalkeeper's value is in terms of how they're going to be able to keep clean sheets because the other kind of shots, like the one on O's, that's not his fault. Right. You know, like if there's like a breakaway or if there's, you know, like a, fr- a clear opportunity mm-hmm. that's not from a set piece, not the goalie's fault. The set piece numbers are what determines goalkeeper value to me. So would shot percentage meaning shot on sorry shot on target percentage uh that seems to be more uh aligned with the with the defense no correct um so it, i think i think i mentioned this to you. you 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 told me that you wanted to do like a more stat latent podcast and i said i'm wondering what a team's like who has the highest number of block shots and you know like it, it, and if those high if those teams with the high number of block shots leads to a low goal conversion rate you know like uh, like like how good is their defense if they block a lot of shots right um block shots aren't plentiful meaning like there there really aren't that many per game um so theoretically like i don't think there you'll ever get enough block shot data to to use that as evidence or of block, a good defense or block uh, block shots plus block crosses like something like that yeah uh, either way i'm not sure i'm not sure you'll ever get to that point um but i do think i do think there is value in uh number of shots allowed that were on target because theoretically that I, I, in my head that means that you allowed a clear shot that most professional soccer players particularly those in the premier league if there is not a defender on them should more likely than not get their shot on target right. now obviously uh, if there are tons of guys around them that uh, here's here here's the only caveat what's the distance of those shots I, right i are agree they, are, are they in the box versus out of the box yep. shots on target from outside the box uh there are a lot of teams that will let you shoot from outside the 18 whenever you want but that doesn't necessarily right so shouldn't you be able to get those on target 
I, uh, they're letting that, you shoot from out there. They should be on target. You'd have to do more research into how, you know, what percentage of shots from outside the to- from outside the box are on target, just league wide, and then use that as your average. Be like your, yep. you know, what, what's the average across the league, and then break it down by team yeah. or by player even, because yeah. there's you're going to see players like Coutinho or, you know, that we'll call yeah. that Philippe Coutinho range. Yes, you know who's 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 who. What what teams are best from Philippe Coutinho range? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing and Liverpool, which, actually. And, and which teams allow the most shots <laughs> right. from outside the box? Right. You know what? You know, we can make this all about Philippe Coutinho. When to use Philippe Coutinho? <laughs> that's what that's what this is. That, uh, that's kind of what I'm boiling down to right now. But but actually, that's sort of my question is if he's always if teams if he's always going to take those shots, does it even matter who he's playing? Yes. But why? Because there's. Because certain teams won't allow him to have the time on the ball outside the 18. Outside the 18. Correct. Right. Um, because they because they press everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. Um, so the team that has uh, that has uh, the lowest shot to shot on target rate, meaning taking them, is also the same team that has allowed the most shots to be on target. Who do you think that is? I'm sorry, say that one more time. So the team with the lowest shot-to-shot-on-target rate, meaning f- most of their shots are not on target, yep. is the same team that has allowed the most of the shots taken against them to be on target. So they allow so, the most percentage of shots to be on target. Is this Chelsea again? It is not Chelsea. <laughs> um, maybe Burnley? Uh, No. I got no clue. You're gonna, you're gonna have to tell me this one. It's, it's West Ham. Com- All right, that makes okay. That does make sense. So West Ham has taken 106 shots this season, and 19 have been on target. That's 17 percent and change, almost 18 percent. Nobody else is under 25 percent, and they've allowed 45 percent of the shots that they've that they've 45 percent of the shots they've allowed have been on target. We don't need we don't need the stats to tell us their defense. <laughs> right. Um, well, it just it, this is proving to me like just just how bad they have been defensively. Well, that... actually, I I want actually I want to focus more on the offensive side of this. Okay. Um. So you said that their total shots is one hundred and what six hundred and six. What's the next? Are they there? Is that That's, the most shots in the no, league? No, no, no. It's not even. Well, no, it's top half, but it's not. Yeah. It's more than Arsenal. Um, it's more than Palace. It's more than Everton. Uh, let me let me just get a gauge here. Who has the most shots total? Uh, Liverpool, one thirty-five. Okay, so that's an extra almost Chelsea seven. Se- or Spurs is one twenty-seven. Chelsea one twenty-two. I'm surprised Spurs are that high. Yeah, me too. Um, that's surprising. Although so, Eric, although Eric Lamella loves to shoot from distance. Right. Um, so the, uh, two two teams have had fewer have had fewer shots on target for the season. Burnley at 14 and Middlesbrough at 16. But they've taken 62 and 61 shots, respectively. So West Ham's taken 40 more shots, but have two more on target, roughly. Three more. I wonder if that efficiency is getting better. Here's the deeper research I want to do on this. Is it getting better? Is it getting better since Dimitri Pai has been back? Um... Yeah, I don't know yet, but that's a good that, question. That's kind of where I'm going with this because that, that's where I'm going to go with this, at least at first. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and also, I mean, now that you know, even though Lanzini is not a huge get of it, like Lanzini's coming back now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to. I don't have this yet, but like, how many of those shots on target are from set pieces? Yeah. So when Pyatt takes yep. one, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, then there's also there's also the the Zot. What's interesting to me about West Ham going forward, um, if Zaza plays ten more games, they have to buy him. Ugh. And he's going to. There's no uh, way he's not. He, hold on. No, no, no. They can make a financial executive decision that I no, guess. we are not. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, that no, we are not, because we do not want to buy you. Um, it, and it's not a, like it's. I don't think it's a small fee. I think it's like. Yeah. Like no, it's not small at all. Like, yeah. It's like twenty million pounds or something yeah, like something that. Like, yeah. Um, so they can go right back to the problem of they don't have a center forward again. Andy Carroll is supposed to be back in two weeks, and then he'll get hurt in like three weeks. Exactly. Um, man, that is interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look at the shot where the shots are because theoretically, like when you think about that, that should make you believe that all of their shots are from deep. It has to. It has to be. You know, between him and Lanzini. Uh, maybe even well, Antonio really just heads the ball. Right, uh, Kuyate does too. Is Mark Noble taking deep shots or he, he can? Yeah, and it's yeah. That's it has to be. Yeah, it so this is the be. stuff. I'm sure somebody else has looked into this, and I don't. I shouldn't have to do the work, but I'll do it anyway. But we have all these stats now, and so they'll be trickling out onto RotoWire.com in the next few weeks because it's a pretty big tech project. And I'm not, I'm not in on that side. So, sorry, folks. So there's one more stat that at least I would like to get to because I, yeah. I, I asked you about this last night. Um, chances created to assists. Yes. Um, I, haven't, I haven't looked into that one yet. That's good. But that's good. Well, so there to go along with that. Um, what do you? How much value do you put into cross percentage? Because theoretically... Cross is completion percentage, you mean? Yeah. So, like, theoretically, every cross should be a chance created, right? Like, that's the idea. You're sending it in so that somebody can score. You're not... In my head, that's the only reason to send a ball into the box, right? It's a pass to set up a goal on the next touch. Ideally. Mm. Do you disagree? Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. Okay. And do you put any value into how teams allow crosses? Meaning if they allow a high number of crosses to be completed. Okay. I'm with you so far. No, no I'm, I'm asking though, does that, oh. should that matter to you? Like if I told you that Burnmouth allow most of the, the highest number of crosses to be completed? Does that should that matter, or did they just happen to play teams that are good at completing crosses? It could be yes. Right. I, this is what ultimately bothers me about all of this. Not bothers me, but I just don't. Specifically for DraftKings, we're we're looking for crosses. But does does the number of crosses that a team allows, or if they allow a high number of their crosses to be completed, which doesn't really matter on DraftKings, but it does in, um, does Taga do completed cro- accurate crosses? One of them does. Taga or, um, 
I think I think it's Fantrax. Fantrax. I think I think Yahoo does too. So because an accurate cross, um, an accurate cross should be a chance created because you don't. There's no such thing as a cross at midfield in terms of what that's counted. And so if you get a high number of crosses complete or accurate crosses, those should be like, I almost want to look at accurate crosses to assists. It's obviously not a high number, but yeah, yeah, it's going to be such a low number. I guess when I even chances created the shots on target would be, yeah, because 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 then you can kind of narrow it down to is it is the is it the uh, chances created to shots on target not even not even crosses completed, but chances created to shots on target because that's when you can start saying is it the service that's bad or is it the, the or is yes. it the execution that's bad? Yep. Yes. That's where I'd want to go. So chances created to shots on right. So how many passes led to a shot on target versus? That was off target. And then you can take it a step further to goals. Yes. That's, you know, the, I, I, again, the goals number is going to be so low that I think it's insignificant. But at least getting the shots on target, that's when you can tell if someone's an actual, actual good crosser. But in DraftKings, it doesn't matter if they're a good crosser. You know what I mean? It well, just matters that they cross. Well, that's not well, for sure. Uh, but But what you were saying was not crosses to... Shots on yeah. target. It was chances well, it, created. So correct because that, that can mean through balls. That can mean right. Right. a lot of things. I understand. It could be a bicycle kick from six inches away from your teammate that lands off their face and goes in the goal. That's yeah, a chance what, created. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the Diamande effect. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's that's some of the stuff that I've been going into. I've done it for for players as well. Um, meaning I have all of that. And I think I asked you this question and I'll just say it here instead of asking you again, but like Wayne Rooney's the only player with double digit crosses three times this season. Nobody else has hit at least 10, three times. <clears throat> Do you know who leads the league in crosses? Wayne Rooney. No, he's fourth uh, I, though. Uh, I, 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 I honestly, I, uh, is it Andros Townsend? It is Andros Townsend and Willian and Willian didn't even play one game. Yeah. So Willian is actually averaging the most crosses like per minute or minutes per cross, however you want to look at it. So, yeah. I, and also, I mean, Willian's kind of a, cause he hasn't been, he hasn't been doing his free kicks this year, you know, scoring every time he kicks a free kick. So he's kind of, um, he's kind of waned in his popularity in terms of selection. Willian. Yes. Willian yeah. Has. It's, it, um, it seemed like last year his, his free kicks were meant to score himself. And now he's not shooting from deep. And you're right. Although there were a few last year that were, was that a pass or not that happened to go in? And I mean, there, I think there's as much skill in that anyway. Um, we, I was at a, I actually went to four high school soccer games last weekend, last week. Uh, for various reasons that I don't really need to get into. But one of them, there were at least two free kicks like right outside of the box and neither one of them shot at the goal. And I thought to myself how incredibly wasteful that was and that you would never see that on a higher level of soccer. <laughs> like when you get that close, you need to shoot 
Yeah. Ugh. I, I kind of want to get more into why you're in the uh, into the high school games, but first, uh, let's talk about how they, they were probably a little bit uncomfortable because they weren't wearing their uh, Mack Weldon underwear, Andrew. And I have to say that if they were, they probably would perform a little better. Oh, for sure, for sure. Everybody performs better in Mack Weldon underwear. I will say that I did wear the socks one game because it was very cold, and they did keep my feet surprisingly warm for being more dress sock than winter wool socks. So. I thank them for that, but um, yeah, this is our random mid mid pod uh, recommendation for all of our Mac Weldon gear. I'm actually very. Are you a a sweatshirt guy? I I am very much so a sweatshirt guy, so, a hoodie guy specifically. I am the same way. Uh, I'm actually really into zip up hoodies for some reason. I think because I like individual pockets instead of like the big giant. Yeah, I also like the ability to open it up and you know allow some air in. Some air in. Yeah. yeah, I don't usually, I don't usually open it, but Mac Weldon has a has a hoodie that um, may be on its way to my house soon because I just always am looking for another zip up hoodie, and the one that they have on their site looks like it could just be something I would wear every day. I joke around that I have that I have a few that are like my house coats, and I think this is my new house coat. That I can get twenty percent off with with Rotor Wire Soccer. Do you have house socks to go with those house? <laughs> um, I guess, yeah. I would, yeah. I would argue that any socks are really house socks. I'll wear my Mac Weldon ones out so that I can show them off. <laughs> All right, I have to go back into it now. I'm sorry. So, why were you at four high school games? Were you looking for ideas <laughs> for, for for your for your soccer coaching for for Lairdito? No, I uh, again, I don't coach Lairdito. I just. Uh, patiently wait on the side the so my wife is a high school teacher and yes. she is the faculty rep for uh, her school's pink ribbon club which is a breast cancer awareness group and they had two pink games last week um that they did a bake sale like a fundraiser for and since she is the rep uh, she was going to go my son as you've affectionately named him Lerdito, uh is a soccer nut um not only does i mean he's five so as much of a soccer nut as you can be at five but um he loves playing he loves watching it and so he's got a killer he's got a killer clint dempsey goal celebration <laughs> he does yes um so as soon as he like heard it there was an opportunity to go to a game he was all in and um so i went to one last tuesday um that was actually not a pink game but we found out there was a game at my wife's high school and he wanted to go so we went for 40 minutes the nice thing about my son is that like he get he'll take any soccer he can get. So when I'm like, it's time to leave, he's like, okay. And is like thankful for the 38 minutes we got to watch of some random soccer team. Uh, and then we went to two pink games and then there are actually two local high schools, uh, in Milford, which is a little surprising because most towns here in Connecticut have one. Um, and the other, we live close to one, but the other one was playing recently. Uh, and we went to that game as well because, it was something to do. It was last Thursday, I think. So it was like 72 and sunny and it was the perfect, uh, perfect weather for October soccer. And, uh, that was my third game. And then yeah, two paint games. So that should be four. I, I've, uh, I've seen a lot of high school soccer, which only makes me appreciate professional soccer that much more. I, I still find that extraordinarily fascinating. Um, it's, uh, it's, 
You're 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 gonna be, next thing you know we're gonna see uh and Andrew Laird as like a youth development director of U.S. soccer because you've been so many so many development games. I um yeah right. <laughs> My I don't know how people do it. Like I I chatted up the guy who like runs. I don't even know what his title would be, director or whatever of their of like the Milford. They call it Milford United. Um, my son plays U six Milford United, and I was talking to the guy who organizes it, and I'm just like. I basically went up to thank him because like they don't get paid for this. And like, I just can't fathom dealing with all of that. And I was like, yeah, it seems like it's a pretty thankless job. So I just wanted to thank you. And he was like, it is actually, you are the first person to ever thank me. And you would think that that would make me feel like I should get involved. And it was actually just the opposite. (laughs) I was like, all right, well, good luck with that. I'll see you later. That's just because you're a horrible person. It's definitely because I'm a horrible person. It's because I spend my time watching the premier league and doing these podcasts with you that's what i have to do instead no the uh you know what we should do you know we should do we should do a lot we should do a live milford fc podcast one day yeah milford united please combine sorry 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 milford united yeah i almost called the milford city and that would have been terrible oh gosh although new york city fc has been sponsoring a few teams further further down in connecticut which are closer you know the town's closer to new york so i think they're starting to make their imprint because the Red Bulls have actually pulled a few kids out um, into their academy um, from Connecticut here. So I think New York City FC is trying to get involved. And uh, New York City FC, FC needs a stadium. Well, yeah. Uh, the reason I am kind of interested in this is because I can't tell. I mean, obviously, my son is five, so I'm pretty sure he's not going to make the national team anytime soon. But I don't know. Part of me is like, I, I don't know what at what age uh, people start sending their kids to play soccer because the kids want to play. Like there's so many kids that he plays with that clearly would just rather be anywhere else. And I'm now turning into that parent who is like, who wants them to take it more seriously, except they're five. I'm like, I'm not sure my son's getting anything out of this because this girl's like walking off the field and this little boy is sitting down picking dandelions. And I'm like, what am I doing? This kid is five. And yet here I am at home. He's gotten an agility ladder doing his in and outs because he wants to get better at soccer. How do I how do I take these two things and be okay with it? By coaching Lairdito. I can't. I can't. The the reason I, I I've never really coached kids in my life. Um and I'm I'm fairly confident I will take it way too seriously. And that's why I can't do it. Not that I would like yell at a five-year-old kid because they're not trying hard enough. But I might yell at a kid because they're not trying hard enough. I'm just surprised you haven't yelled at me for not trying hard enough on our DraftKings contest that we do every week. But, <laughs> but you know... Tell you, you know, basically, you win some, you lose some, and then for me, I lose almost all of them. But we have to end today's episode of the Rotowire Wire Fantasy Soccer Podcast brought to you by Mac Weldon. So uh, we will be back again later on this week to talk more about underwear and more about fantasy soccer. And we will catch you later on in the week where we preview game week eight in the Premier League. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.